Thank you. Sam in the building? <laughs> okay. At this time, I'm going to invite Sam Nadler to come forward. Again, Sam was with us last night, officiated the first ever Passover feast we've ever done here at Calvary Chapel Richmond. I know that it was a blessing to many of us. We even had the opportunity a number of times last night. I did not know how the Lord would use it to actually speak to lost people that came, I, uh, that we had a number of you that brought uh, friends or our folks that didn't know the Lord. And what a door it opened up for us to actually share the gospel with several people last night that are still pondering these things, which is, which is really what all ministry, at the end of it, we look to bring others to Christ. And so we uh, not only saw the saints edified last night, but again, the lost heard the message of the truth as well. Today, Sam will be continuing uh, somewhat off of what uh, he was teaching last night as he uh, teaches and preaches this morning on the Lamb throughout Scripture. So without any more, uh, I will go ahead and turn it over to Sam. Good morning. Uh, some of you probably didn't bother even going home last night, just <laughs> camped out and take it up from here. Uh, it's a joy to be here. I, uh, I'm very thankful for the privilege, and I'm very thankful for your prayers. Uh, what a joy we had, uh, not up in, uh, in Ukraine recently. Uh, <clears throat> what's a joy to my heart is to see so many people being raised up by God for ministry and leadership. Uh, to see people coming to faith, marvelous. To see them growing, I have no greater joy than seeing my children walking in the truth. But then to see them going on in ministry and serving and reaching out, what a joy for my heart doing a training for these like, grandchildren of mine, so to speak, uh, in Zhitomyr, Ukraine. Uh, what a great opportunity, what a blessing. Thank you so much for your prayers. Going back, there's much more to be done, as you can imagine. Uh, going to Germany as well. There's a lot going on. We're very thankful to the Lord for your prayers and standing with us. Uh, if you want to be, if you're not aware of our work, if you'd like to become aware and know more about us and pray for us, I believe you were given an envelope when you came in. Uh, please just fill out the envelope, and uh, I think there'll be a table with my books. Where I just brought a few books. Uh, I think there'll be a table with books that'll be brought in. I think uh, to the back of the room there. Just place. Place it there. Uh, there'll be a basket, perhaps, uh, you can put it in there. And um, we'll be glad to send you our monthly newsletter so you can learn more of what the Lord is doing. Uh, and there's some samples, as well as some free literature, some tracks and things to share with uh, friends and neighbors, Jewish friends and neighbors who are interested. Uh, and also some books, as I noted. Uh, last night, we, I mentioned uh, and went through the Haggadah, uh, which helps any person not only to know much, much more about our Passover lamb, because the, the Seder is de developed to present, it's a redemption story. And so it presents the Messiah, and we clearly bring out Messiah in our Haggadah. And so your family can celebrate it at home, which we encourage, uh, as well as uh, small group meetings and different things. And so you may want to look at that, it's available. 
And um, Michelle, where are you? So are you, will you be able to help me at the table there? Thank you so much. And uh, for friends that have questions, we have some answers. Messianic Answer Book is available. And not only on Passover, but all the seven feasts of Israel that all speak so fully about our Messiah. I think you'll find not only edifying, but helpful in your witness and testimony. Please prayerfully consider the materials that are there. Those are the only books uh, that we brought this time. Uh, but please pray for us as we're looking to produce more and more materials, see more and more congregations planted, more people hear the great news of a great God, the great salvation. Uh, I'd like you to open your Bibles, please, to uh, Genesis chapter 22. Genesis 22. This is a portion that uh, we commonly read uh, every year. Uh, Rosh Hashanah, it's one of the readings, uh, Jewish New Year's, uh, it's one of the readings, has to do with the Akedah, the binding of Isaac. A strange portion for some where God tells Abraham, take your son and make him, you know, as a burnt offering on a mountain I will show you. Yikes! You know, what's this? What's crazy kind of stuff here, you know? Uh, and so we see here a tremendously important portion of Scripture, uh, vitally important, and we'll see why in a moment. Uh, but I'd like us just to read just a couple of verses that are here and ask the Lord to help us with our study and application for our lives. Uh, in chapter 22 of Genesis, Bereshit, uh, the first book and the beginning book, so to speak. Uh, Genesis 22, please notice uh, we have uh, in verse 8 a reference, the first time that a lamb in the singular is ever used for sacrifice. The first time. It's going to become the theme of the Bible. The whole Bible, as you'll see, is built upon this. But here is the very first reference to this lamb in the singular, as a substitutionary offering, a sacrifice in my place, in your place too. I'm going to read that verse and ask God to add his blessing to our study this morning. Verse 8, and Abraham said, oh, I'm going to read verse 7 because it's an answer. Uh, verse 6, uh, so Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on, his, on Isaac, his son, and he took the fire in his hand, the knife, and the two of them went together. And Isaac spoke to Abraham, his father, and said, My father, and he said, Hineni, uh, here I am, my son. And then he said, Look, the fire, the wood, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? And Abraham said, My son, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering. So the two of them went together. Let's pray about this lamb. Uh, dear God, uh, we're so thankful that we can actually say, Avinu, our Father, that you care for us, that you care for us so deeply, so much, like a father cares for his children. But you're also uh, Malkenu, our King, our protector, our director, our guide, uh, you are the one who gives us victory as well as joy. And so we come before you as children and servants and followers. Uh, we come before you with thankfulness and heart 
uh, with gratitude for the grace that is ours in the Messiah, the Lamb of God. Say Elohim, the Lamb of God, O Lord, help us to grow still more in him, to become conformed to the image of the Son, to therefore uh, be a follower of the Lamb, uh, and that might be seen in our life, that others who know us, that we interact with, might have a fragrance of your grace and goodness in us, that we might be instruments of grace and love to others. Oh, Lord, work in our souls so we might grow still more in Messiah and in the love of God. For it's in that precious name that's above every name, the only name given unto heaven by which men might be saved. In the name of Yeshua HaMashiach HaDeneinu, even Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. <coughs> it's concerned you might be worried if I didn't translate everything very carefully. So. Uh, it's a joy again to be here, but to speak on this portion is a tremendous joy. It's an increasing joy as we see how God has developed uh, the truth of his word, revelation of himself, uh, we would not know about God other than what he gave us. Creation uh, is, in a sense, uh, uh, tells us something about God. All the heavens declare the glory of God. Uh, natural revelation tells us that there is a creator. Creation, creator, duh. And so we know we have a creator because there's creation. Uh, and so no one is able you know, to say, well, there can't be a creator, well, because creation's around us. So we have a witness all around us, and that's wonderful. And God has given that to us, so we're without excuse. Uh, but special revelation, God has especially revealed truth about himself. We can know him more clearly, draw close to him, and his, his redemption, his restoration of us. We see here Abraham, and at this portion of time, this is the last final stage of Abraham's development. You say, Abraham developing? Everyone's growing. And so Abraham, the first several chapters of his call, chapters 12 uh, <clears throat> all the way through 14, we see there that he received uh, the promise that in you all the nations of the earth will be blessed. You say, what's that? Yeah. Yeah, God chose the Jewish people, Abraham and his Descendants in your seed. In this chapter, chapter 22, verse 18, he reiterates it, says, In your seed, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. God, in choosing the Jewish people, had his eye on everyone. He wanted everyone to be blessed. You would think he chose the Jewish people just because we're so good looking. Okay, that obviously that's a joke. But no, it's because. Through weakness, his power is made perfect. He took a people that would not be a people, but by his grace, that through them the seed would come, the ultimate seed, the Messiah. Galatians 4, 16. And that all the nations would be blessed. A restoration, God's looking to restore a humanity that has departed, that has not looked to God. And so Lord is looking to do all this. How in the world is he going to do that? He's going to bring the Redeemer, and that Redeemer would be our atonement, the very Redeemer who would give us new life because he would suffer in our place. The very first promise that was given that through the seed of the woman, this Redeemer would come. And it says there that he would be wounded in his feet, though the enemy would be trounced and destroyed. But that very wounding of the Redeemer would tell us of his suffering, little, little picture of it. 
how he would later come and be a sacrifice. And so we see this promise then being brought through Abraham. In your seed, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. He's looking to restore humanity through this greater seed. And now we come to chapter 22, where he has this strange commission that he is now <clears throat> being, in a sense, perfected in his faith, matured in his faith. He originally, you know, stepped out on faith, like many of us may have, you know. Stepped out of faith when that promise was given to him. And then he developed in that faith, 15 and following, with a covenant that God made. And now we see the perfecting. These three aspects of Abraham's life outlines uh, in the New Covenant, the New Testament, when it repeats these very matters of the fact that Abraham believed God and it was reckoned unto him righteous, for righteousness, Genesis 15, 6. That is used three times in the New Testament in order to speak of those three sections of his life. Finally, Jacob or James says the perfecting of his faith. When he followed through on all of those matters of faith, well, we see here a, fi a final exam, so to speak. Final exam. Yeah, notice what it says in verse 1, chapter 22, verse 1. It says in verse 1, Now it came to pass after these things that God tested Abraham. Wow. Testing? Yeah. Final exam. Wow. Big time stuff. I think God never gives us a test he doesn't think we can pass. A testing can become a temptation when we don't trust God in the test. But God doesn't give us a test that we can't pass. He tests us in order to bless us. But if we don't look to him, the very thing that could be a test can become a temptation. So we see this final test, and what a test it is. He said, uh, <coughs> he responds to God, he said to him, Abraham, he said to him, Abraham, he said, here I am, Hineni. <coughs> then he said, take now your son, your only son, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah, Mount Moriah, which would become, of course, the Temple Mount later on. That would be where the temple would finally be established. In any case, and offer him as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. Whoa, I would probably go into heavy negotiations. Okay, uh, how about if I give you five lambs for the kid, you know? Uh, he's like, I'm into this kid. I like him. Isaac is a good one, you know? That's the point. He already went through the negotiation period of his faith. Regarding Sodom, God said, I'm going to destroy Sodom. Oh, my nephew Lot is there. How about if we get into negotiations? You wouldn't, you know? <clears throat> Will you trust God? Mm, what do you mean trust God? He's good. God cannot ever ask you to do evil. Will you just trust him? Uh, well, I don't know. What's he asking from me? <laughs> and uh, is it negotiable? So the issue of his trust comes right on, right into his face here. Will you trust me? Will you negotiate? Chapter 17, he wanted Ishmael to be the seed. No, Isaac, through Sarah, will you trust me? This is the one. And so we see here, he is being asked to just trust God. The test always the test. Do you trust him? Yeah, but she looks good, Lord. Will you trust me for my way of doing things and stop leaning on your own flesh? Will you trust me to be faithful? 
So we want to understand same test all the time, different situations. <laughs> but we see here the test. So it says in verse chapter 22 that he was to take his son. Verse 3, Abraham rose up early. I don't think he told Sarah. <laughs> Where are you going? Don't ask. <laughs> you taking Isaac? Yeah. Bring, tell Isaac to bring back a quart of milk. Uh, whatever. <laughs> <You know? clears throat> because he just obeyed. He, was, he trusted God. He trusted God. He moved right along here. And he took uh, of his, two, his young men with him and Isaac, his son, and he split the wood, burnt offering, went to the place that God had told him. Then on the third day, Abraham lifted his eyes and saw the place afar off. And Abraham said to his, to his young men, now catch this. This is, this is verse 5. Catch this one. Stay here with the donkey. The lad and I will go yonder and worship, and we will come back to you. And we will come back to you. We? Hold it a second. You know it's a one-way ticket for Isaac. What do you mean we? Abraham knew something. You see, this is the issue of trusting God. This is the issue of maturity. What's going on here? He understood God's promise in your seed. There are no plan Bs with God. There was not going to be an Ishmael option. There was no other kind of default mechanism to fall back on. It was going to be Isaac or no one. It was so clear he had already pleaded for Ishmael. He had already gone through all of those things. There was no plan B. He understood that God has a plan. You follow it. You trust in that God. And you find out it all works together for good. And so he understood something. And what did he understand? He understood a very simple truth. That God, if God's going to take his life and there is no plan B, God can bring him back from the dead. Really? Mm -hmm. That's why it says in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 17 through 19, keep your finger here, go there. I see a lot of you looking a little quizzical, maybe just one cup of coffee short, I understand, but you may need to see it for your own eyes. Hebrews chapter 11, you need to see it for yourself. You have to understand the issue of maturing faith and where God comes into the picture when we're going through these tests and why he's being tested to bring out truth that we might testify. There's no testimony without testing. And so we see in Hebrews chapter 11 the tremendous issue that's involved here for our souls as we go through the first instant of this lamb, the first Instance of the Lamb brings out tremendous truth for our own hearts. Hebrews chapter 11. You say Hebrews. Sounds like a Jewish book. <laughs> One of many. <laughs> Hebrews chapter 11. Says there. New Bible doesn't open up quickly. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 17. By faith Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac. And he who had received the promises offered up his only begotten son, of whom it was said, in Isaac your seed will be called. Whoa! Verse 19, concluding that God was able to raise him up even from the dead, 
from which he had also received him in a figurative sense. He understood there's no plan B. If God's going to take his life, God's going to raise him up. But you say, hold on a second. <clears throat> what do you mean? No plan B. I can trust God. God can be trusted. But where did he get this from? Because that we, that's a big, you know, that, that's for, that little we. That Hebrew, the writer of Hebrews brought it all out of that little word we. You see that? But where did Abraham come up with this stuff from? There was no promise of resurrection given at this time. There was nothing about that yet. There was no issues, no teaching on resurrection. Where did he come up with this crazy stuff from? Because God had already proven something to him. He was like an old guy. I know I look like an old guy. He was even older, if you can imagine such a thing. He was too old to have kids. Sarah, not only was she old, she could never have kids, let alone as an old lady. She could never have kids. But it says, though her womb, dead as it was, and him as good as dead, he believed God, Romans chapter 4. You see, God is good with dead. God is able to bring life to the dead. The whole issue of our faith and what we learn about our redemption, it's not becoming a good person. It's not going, are you a good person, Sam? Oh, please don't use me as a measuring stick on that one, you know? I'm better than I was. I got a long way to go. How's that? Did that work for you? No, he doesn't make bad people good. He makes dead people live. That was the point. He understood the whole issue. That dead womb taught him. If God can give a child in a dead womb, God can raise the dead. I trust God. He has no plan B. His word is true. He will not fail. God cannot lie. I believe God. And we will return. And so we want to understand, you fathers who are standing here with your children, do you believe God? What difference will it make? It makes all the difference in the world. Because you may have a good child. I trust you have nothing but good children. I myself have two very good eligible sons. <laughs> Enough said. Put those prayer needs. Write down prayer needs. You're not writing, people. Back to Genesis 22. Because he had the son, who's now in his probably late teens, able to carry the wood up the mountain, right? Now, he is very submissive. What a good kid, you know? Teenager, good kid. There you go. This is a miracle, right? There you go. Right there. I'm joking. I'm joking. No, I'm not. No, I'm not. We see here in chapter 22, going up the hill, carrying the wood, he says to his father, you know, it's almost like he has this list, you know, a little, a little bit left brain here. Okay, look, the fire, check. Wood, check. No lamb. Where is, where, where is it? the lamb? We're going to be making a burnt offering. We don't bring a, a lamb with us. Where's the lamb? <laughs> I mean, he may be submissive, but he's not stupid. I mean, where's the lamb? You know? <laughs> and Abraham said sort of with double entendre here, God will provide for himself a lamb, the lamb. You know? Which is true. He provided you, Isaac. You were the miracle baby. He provided you. They go up the mountain. Verse 9, then they came to the place which God told them, and Abraham built an altar there and placed the wood in order. And he bound, Akedah, bound his son and laid him on the altar upon the wood. 
Now, I'll tell you right now, what a kid. This is a submitted child. I mean, this is a kid, late teens, his dad's like 120-ish, something like that. He probably could take him two out of three falls, you know, easy. <clears throat> he submitted. Can you imagine this? Why did he submit to this? Because he knew something. My dad believes God. We want our children to be submitted. We need to submit. We're being tested, but so are our children. What a test for Isaac. If my daddy follows God, I want to follow God too. And to the degree we're submitted, and to that degree our children see the example and they understand how to submit. And so we see here the issue. Verse 10, and Abraham stretched out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. How could he do this? He already did it in his heart. The moment God said it, he in his heart, he said, done. Just got to follow through. And the angel of the Lord, another name for when God comes here, uh, angel of the Lord, the incarnation, so to speak, before he came, became in the flesh, uh, one of the manifestations of God when he comes into this time-space continuum, uh, called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. I can imagine at this point, you know, you know, Isaac's like young, good ears, you know. I think, I hear something, Dad. Dad, I, hold it. It's for you, you know. Here I am. Then Abraham, it says here, here I am. Do not lay your hand on the lad or do anything to him, for now I know, in the Hebrew, now it is known that you fear God since you have not withheld your son, your only son. He knew that. See, God knows you could pass the test. Now it's going to be a testimony. Now we have something to talk about. Because he goes on and he says there, for now I know that you fear God, since you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. What has God given you? Do you love the gift more than the giver? I know you love your children. The only way to really love them is if you love the giver even more than the gift. That's how you'll raise your children well. And so we want to understand the great test. Do you love the giver more than the gift? And we want to appreciate how this test is being played out in our life. Because we see here the first use in verse 10, the issue of the lamb. But he says in verse uh, 13, Then Abraham lifted his eyes and looked behind him was a ram caught in the thicket by its horns. So Abraham went and took, wasn't there a minute ago? I mean, you know, we would have noted little things like Isaac would have said, I see a lamb, could that work here? So Abraham went and took the ram, and here it is, and offered it up for burnt offering, notice, instead of his son. First time we see substitutionary sacrifice in the Bible. First time a lamb's mentioned for that in verse 8. First time substitutionary sacrifice is brought to bear. And here's the point. Isaac was the good kid. Isaac was the submitted kid. Why Isaac? 
Why Isaac? Why not that Ishmael who mocked his brother? Why not others? Why the good kid? Because that's the point of the text. The first time we see a lamb, we see that the best of people need a savior. The best of people need a redeemer. We often know, and we say it clearly, the worst of people can be saved. I don't care what kind of sin you have. All manner of sin shall be forgiven you. Isn't that good? And many people can say, yeah, some of those losers really need something. You're right. Not me. All have sinned and fallen short. The best of people. That's why Messiah came to the Jewish people. Why? To them were given the oracles of God. We understood the truth of God. We knew what God required. We knew the moral values. We weren't like the pagans, cheating on our wives, doing all these things, telling this, doing that, all the issues of the awfulness of paganism. We were the most moral people in the world, yet he came to the Jewish people, came as a Jewish person. Why? Because the best of people need. And if the best of people need, then all people can trust. Then all people can trust. And so we see it the very first time that the lamb for redemption is presented. We want to understand this. I don't know you very well. You may not know me well. You may be a very fine person. You may be better than me. That's not saying much. But there is a lamb for you. There is a lamb for the individual. There's a lamb in the stead of you. There's a lamb for you. God cares about you. God cares about you. We start there. Are you ready to move up? Move ahead with me. Exodus chapter 12. Exodus chapter 12. There is a lamb for the person. Well, by the way, that's all we had. There's just a couple of individuals who are believers. Can you imagine that? I mean, we're not even sure about a whole family. Ishmael's sort of on the fence there. We're not too sure about him. We got this Esau down the road happening. We're not sure where that's going to go. So there's some individuals. Individuals were believers. But notice, if you will, what we see now things are growing a little bit here. Exodus chapter 12. What we see here in, this, in the truth of God's word, of course, we, we touched on this last night, uh, the whole issue of this chapter, which I love to go in depth on. Uh, everything in here speaks of our Messiah, the Passover lamb. This is the chapter of the Passover lamb that the whole new covenant is based on. The whole new covenant is based on this chapter of the Passover lamb, which this portion brings up. In fact, uh, it is so important to understand this. The, whole, the only reason that we even know, just a, a little detail, that we even know uh, that Yeshua, Jesus, when he ministered as Messiah, was ministering for about three, three and a half years before he died for us, is because John has three Passovers. He outlines the gospel there of John, the account of Messiah there, with three Passovers. That's how we know it was three years. And so Passover is the outline of his ministry and his life. All the festivals of Israel are what speak to him. And so these issues, which we may seem as a little bit odd, you know, are actually vitally important. The Passover lamb, the foundation of all new covenant truth, the lamb of God that taketh away the sin of Sam Nadler and everyone else, by the way. Uh, please notice what we see here, though, in chapter 12 of Exodus. 
because we're going to grow along with God. God is revealing truth progressively. As your children grow, you will teach them better and better and better and more and more and more. I taught my child how to drive at the age of three. You say, what? Yeah, the first thing he learned was, hold my hand when we cross the street. If you don't get that, you'll never get anything else. <laughs> you got to understand how dangerous these streets are. Hold my hand when we cross the street. After that, we can get up to the steering wheel a few years down the road, line upon line, bit upon bit. God is growing his children as well. Chapter 12, notice what it says here, verse 3, speak to all the congregation of Israel, saying, on the 10th of this month, every man shall take for himself a lamb according to the house of his father, a lamb for a household. We saw a lamb for the person, but now the people of God are growing. Now we have families. We have households. Isn't that nice? And so we have a lamb for the family, and, and this is important stuff for those of us who happen to have families, you know? This is important stuff. We want to appreciate it. I love verse 4 about this matter. It says, if the household, catch this, is too small for the lamb, that's always true. You know? I mean, there's so much lamb. Household's always going to be too small for the lamb. What are you going to do with the other stuff? Verse 4, let him and his neighbor next to, next to his house take it according to the number of persons going to each man's need. You shall make your account for the land. First time we have a little neighborhood evangelism going on, you know, a little sharing with the neighbors. We've got some truth that's overflowing here. We got too much lamb at meeting our needs, and that's really the issue here. The issue of the family had a lamb. There was a lamb for a family. Fathers, you were standing here with your children. God bless you. There is a lamb for the family. What is the key issue for your home? The issue is the lamb. What is the key issue for the family? It is the lamb. What is the key issue for our society that the families that make up society are oriented around the lamb? I got a letter. We do a lot of ministry, as you can imagine. Thank you for your prayers, you know. I was last week in San Francisco and reaching out there and all over that area. We want to see congregations planted there. Uh, Marin County has doubled in Jewish population. We want to see a whole lot more going on. I was, uh, as you know, I was just before that, Dallas and all sorts of places. Why? Got to get a whole lot more done. There's a lot to be doing. And I, I'm getting older, you know. I'm running out, running out of time. Got to keep busy. Uh, but in any case, we reach out to so many people, and my heart breaks. You know, I got a letter. A guy came up to me and shared me a letter. Letter was from his daughter who ran away from home. Teenager, 16. And he showed me the letter, and he was still crying. I could see the stains on the letter. I saw it still crying when he shared the letter with him. It said, Daddy, I'm feeling so bad about that you've been so good to us. And the guy was working at least two jobs to pay the bills. Men, you know what it takes to keep it going. You've given us everything. You've done everything. Working so hard, providing. I've done some things I'm so ashamed of. It's just, I have to leave. You've been, and he cried because it was true. He did everything he could except one thing the lamb. He never gave his heart to the Lord. She needed the lamb. 
The two jobs, wonderful, good stewardship. That's not the vital issue for the home. That's not the vital issue for the family. It, the key issue is the lamb. There's a lamb for the household. Every one of your children, if you have a bunch of them, we have one family congregation on planting in Charlotte, one kind, they like have, I don't know, a dozen. It, it looks like thousands when they walk in, you know? It's, just like, it's like a tribe or something, you know? <laughs> and, and all of them are different. Man, you've got to, as parents, you know, you love them all, but they're all different. Well, guess what? With Yeshua, every one of their needs will be met, even though they're all different from each other. He loves each of them, and he's enough for the family. You need to bring the lamb. That's the key to the family, the key to the home, the key to our lives and everything that we could do. And I don't know what you're doing because of the issues. Our families are under attack. You mentioned about TV and other issues. Our families are under attack. That's what... The enemy is trying to do. If he can tear apart society by downgrading, degrading, dividing the families, everything else is gone. How's he going to do that? Attack on the leadership in the home. You parents, you dads especially, you know, you want to you destroy the family? Easy stuff here. You want to destroy a congregation? Easy stuff here. What do you mean? Smite the shepherd, the flock will be scattered. Go after the leadership, you know? Divide the family, divide. That's what's, the family is under attack. There's an enemy who's prowling, wanting to destroy our children. I read an article that says that, why do kids lie? Well, they're sinners. It says, to the degree the parents lie, to that degree the children will lie. The homes where the parents lie less, the children lie less. When kids start lying, you let them get away with it because, no, it's just a little thing. Looks so cute when they say that. They end up learning how to lie to defend themselves, to protect themselves, to promote themselves. And so the family is under attack because the leadership needs to step up. What do you bring to the table? What are you going to bring to the home? The lamb. There's a lamb for the family. That's the key issue. It was key issue then, key issue now. Grow on with me. Because we're going to see that not only is there a lamb for the person, there is a lamb for the family this is the lamb for the people. Turn, please, to Isaiah chapter 53. Many of us have cut our teeth on this portion. Isaiah 53, I remember the first time someone shared it with me. You say, first time? Yeah, this section uh, is not read in synagogue during the weekly schedules. I, I went to synagogue every week growing up. Uh, we have a parashat that we read, uh, the portions that are read, uh, but we um, always skip over this section of scripture. We never read Isaiah 53 in synagogue. Um, and if we did, probably wasn't, everything was bevrit in Hebrew. I may not have known what exactly it was saying. Uh, but I do know that when the first time it was shown to me, I remember somebody showed this to me, you know, a believer showed me this chapter, you know. I, saw, I looked at Isaiah 53 about someone's going to die for my sins and not stay dead. Yeah. You're kidding me. You, you know what I saw in my heart? This is a sneaky Christian. Die for my sins, not stay dead. Took part of their New Testament, stuck it in my side of the Bible. <laughs> Nothing can be that clear. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. Religion's what you want to make of it. It's just subjective. No, God is in charge. These things are true. Isaiah chapter 53, please notice here, all we like sheep, verse 6 says, all we like sheep, all we, yes, you and me, yes. 
The prophet? Yes. The prophet, he's like a good person, right? All we like sheep, even prophets. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. I follow God my own way. Yeah, that's the problem. We need to follow God his way. You know, we live in a pluralistic, pluralistic society where, you know, everyone's got their own way of doing things, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah, I, I understand, but that doesn't make it right. God knows the way to himself. If there's only one God, then there's only one way. And so we want to appreciate all of us going astray is nothing new. All of us doing our own thing is nothing new. It says here, though, what is vitally important, we've turned everyone to his own way. Verse 6, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. There we are again, the sins placed on him, just like what Isaac had realized. Verse 7, he was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He was led as a lamb, there it is, to the slaughter. And as a sheep before its shearers is silent, so he opened not his mouth. Innocent, like a lamb. Passive, didn't try to protect himself, defend himself. You know? Verse 8, he was taken from prison from judgment. And who will declare his generation? For he was cut off from the land of the living for the transgressions of Ami, my people. My people. My people, he was stricken. My people. Listen, there's a lamb for the person, there's a lamb for the family, there's a lamb for the people. What is the hope of Israel? We look at this little nation, we see the nation of Israel, we say, my goodness, it looks like they, you know, you know our national interests may not be uh, served if we care about them because all the oil and all the... What is our national interest? The best thing for Israel is a lamb. The best thing for the United States is a lamb. There's a lamb for the people. We want to appreciate the very best thing we can do for Israel. Let's bring the lamb. Let's share Messiah, because there is a lamb for the people. My people, to whom the stroke was due. My people. There is a lamb for the people. I don't know what you think of this country. I love it. I am so thankful. I go overseas, and I'm there, and I'm in all these places, you know. I can't wait to come home. What a great country we have. Don't be fooled. Very, very few great countries lasted more than 200 years. Don't be fooled. You say, how do we stay healthy? <laughs> it's the lamb. This country needs revival. This country needs a lamb. You say, well, how about if we export democracy? No, 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 no. We need the lamb here. Export the lamb. Let's share the lamb. It's all about the lamb. That was the key to Israel. That is the whole issue. The issue of Israel's peace. Where will their peace come from? Pray for the peace of Jerusalem, Yeshua said in Luke chapter 19. Messiah said there, it's hard for us to understand how he wept over Jerusalem. Luke 19, 41, 42. It's funny, you know, when you see him weeping over Jerusalem. Why? Because everyone else is having a party. This was what was called the triumphal entry. You know, he's coming in and everyone's like, whoa, here he is, you know, Messiah, yay. And here he is weeping in the midst of the party. Why? He saw what was up ahead. He saw that this party was going to be very short-lived. And these very people who said, you know, yay, 
This was going to be some kind of superficial thing, and they'd say, crucify him, crucify him in a few days. So let's just understand the matter here. He's weeping over Jerusalem, and he says there, and why is he weeping? Because he came for a sacrifice for our people. He came to be the Messiah. He entered Jerusalem on the cult of a donkey, presenting himself as the humble lamb. Uh, he came for my people. It says, if only you knew the things that make for peace. Whew. Entering Jerusalem, city of peace. <laughs> Poetic, funny, not too funny. He weeps yet. He's still weeping. Why? They still need the lamb. Until my people look unto him, until my people look to him, individually, nationally. What we have individually, one day Israel will have nationally. That will make all the difference in the world. That'll be like life from the dead, Paul says in Romans chapter 11. That'll bring in the kingdom. Messiah is going, Messiah, when will Messiah come and set up the kingdom? When my people, it says, look unto him whom they have pierced and mourn from as one mourns for an only son, Zechariah 12.10. Or as Yeshua put it, you shall not see me again until you say, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Until Israel looks to him, that's the key to the whole world. That's our key here. We need to understand the need for that nation, that people to have the lamb. Pray for us, brethren. Pray for us as we're trying to do everything we possibly can here and around the world. Why? There's only one hope for Israel. The Lamb, the Messiah, individually, as a family, nationally. Grow on with me. Turn to chapter 1 of John. John chapter 1. John chapter 1. See, the enemy wants to stop you from coming to faith. Then he wants you to stop your family from coming to faith. And whatever, keep a nation from coming to faith, especially the Jewish people. He knows the second coming means he'll be bound for a thousand years. He wants to stop that right now. He's able to prowl as a lion, seeking might devour. So he knows he wants to stop the redemptive plan of God. So you have to appreciate we need to be praying for the peace of Jerusalem, as Paul said. My heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. We need to be praying. Why? Because there is, this is the only hope, not only for Israel, not only for your family, not only for you individually. It's the only hope we have for the world. John chapter 1, verse 29. John 1, verse 29. We see here Yochanan the Immerser uh, speaking to his disciples, pointing them, you know, he basically was turning them over to Yeshua because he was all about pointing to Yeshua. Well, I minister to my children. I'm just pointing to Yeshua. Follow him. That's what I said to my kids. You're following him. I'm following you, Dad. Oh, we're both in trouble. Follow him. I'm pointing to him. My life is about him. My life is about you following him. As much as I be an imitator of me, only as much as I'm an imitator of him. If I'm not imitating him, stop following. <laughs> Follow him. John chapter 1, verse 29. The next day, John saw Yeshua, Jesus, coming toward him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Glory to God. Not only is there a lamb for the person, not only is there a lamb for the family, not only is there a lamb for the nation, there is a lamb for the world. I go to countries, I can't even pronounce their name. They got all these new countries and all this stuff. What country are I in? That's what, you weren't that last week. Oh, you're a new country, cool. 
I can't speak any languages. I, I'm learning English. I come from New York. So I'm, I'm now learning English. I go to countries and I don't know what to say sometimes, you know, because I can't speak the lingo. I, you know, we say, uh, you know, one, one language or mono linguistic, you know. We really say if you only know one language, you're really American. Everywhere you go in the world, they all speak bunches of languages. Only here, you know, they only need one language. We're Americans, that's it, you know. So we want to appreciate that. I go, I go in one store <laughs> and I, I didn't bring enough socks with me. And I didn't have a chance to wash them, the ones I had. And you knew I was coming. <laughs> Those socks were giving me away. You know what I mean? So I go and I'm going to buy a pair of socks. And they even measure things differently over there. You know? I don't know how many millimeters, but I don't but, you know, whatever. You know? Well, tell me, and in perfect English, the salesperson says, you know, well, one size fits all, don't worry, sir. They all, wow, that's cool. One size fits all, I said. That's what I'm here to tell everyone. There's a lamb for the world. You know, every country I go to, every single country I go to, every city too, but every country I go to, oh, we're different here. Oh, we're so different here. We're not like there. We're different here. All the same. All have sinned and fallen short. One size fits all. There's a lamb for the world. We're thinking about what we need to export, what we need to give. Democracy, is that the answer? It is not the answer. You have to know what to do with it. It's only the word of God that tells you how to use your freedom. You can't use your freedom for foolishness. Otherwise, you'll vote in something foolish. And so we want to appreciate that we need to be giving the truth of God's word to people so when they do understand democracy, they'll know what to do with it when they have it. Otherwise, they will just use it against themselves like everything else. And so there is a lamb for the world. There's only one solution for this world. It happens to be a Jewish solution, uh, the lamb of God, the Passover lamb. But please appreciate with me that's one size fits all. The fact that Jonas Salk came up with the cure for polio, that he's Jewish, if you're Gentile, it's okay. It works for you too. You know, and you want to appreciate that one size fits all. Why? Because when God gave the promise, in your seed, all the nations of the earth will be blessed, he was looking at all of us together as his people, Jews and Gentiles together. One side, the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. This is the seed. This is the Messiah. This is our only hope. One last thought. Turn in your Bibles to Revelation. Yep, getting the whole Bible in from Genesis to Revelation, one study. Your reading for the year is over. <laughs> Revelation chapter 5. We have here this weeping apostle, you know. In chapter 5, we see Yochanan, uh, John, you know, in this uh, portion, weeping his eyes out. Uh, and. Uh, Verse 4, he's weeping, he says, because there was no one found worthy uh, to open and read the scroll or to look at it. Uh, but one of the elders, I like elders, this is what elders say. One of the elders said to me, stop weeping. I like that. There's no crying in baseball. 
And there's no crying in heaven. Every tear shall be wiped away. I mean, you get a different perspective. Stop weeping. Stop. Do not weep. Why? Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has prevailed to open the scrolls and to loose its seven seals. Glory to God. We have here the one who's going to make. He can do it. This is the kinsman redeemer that will redeem Israel. This is the one who will return the second coming to deliver Israel before the Antichrist destroys them all. Why would the Antichrist want to do that? Because if he can destroy the Jewish people as a nation before they cry unto Messiah, look unto him and trust in him. That way God's word is made void. Messiah doesn't return. You shall not see me again until you say, blessed is he. And Satan continues to prowl trying to get his throne above the Most High. And so the enemy, trying to destroy the Jewish people, the kinsman redeemer, the lion of the tribe of Judah, this is the one who can open the seals. This is the one who all judgment is given to. This is the one. Now, if you say, you know, I got a problem. Yeah. Oh, you got a big problem. Yeah. What do you need? You need the lion. That's what I need. I need the lion of the tribe of Judah. I need power. People are offending me. You're offending me. Your beard is not long enough. Offense, offense, offense. Told you that last night, too. You should have had a longer beard by this morning. <laughs> Easily offended, huh? I'm going to bring the lion of the tribe of Judah. What does that mean? Take a look. Verse 6. And I looked, and behold, in the midst of the throne of the four living creatures, in the midst of the elders, stood a lamb. Where's the lion? Hold on a second. I need a lion. No, listen, you need a lamb. For your problems, for your issues, I know your flesh tells you you need a lion. But it's the lamb that is the answer and the solution. The lamb. Please note with me this last thought. A lamb as though it had been slain forever, having those marks of our redemption upon him, having seven horns all powerful, seven eyes all knowing, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth, reflecting upon Isaiah chapter 11, 2, 2 and 3, the seven qualities of the Holy Spirit there. Verse 7, And he came and took the scroll out of the right hand of him who sat on the throne. And when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the Lamb. You elders, you say, well, I'm not an elder. That's somebody else. No. Fathers, you were standing up here dedicating your kids. I saw that. You're elders in your home. You're merely preparing to help in the congregation too. For if a man does not know how to manage his own home, how will he manage the assembly of God? 1 Timothy 3.5. Elders, what do elders do? Your worship leaders fell down, glory to God. It says here, fell down before the lamb. That's what you do as an elder. Lead in, we're all worship leaders. Each having a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song saying, you are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals. Why? For you were slain. A lot of people, the Bible is a closed book to them. They can't get it. I don't understand it. I understand why you can't understand it. Really? Why? Because you're not slain. You've got to be slain to open the book. You've got to die to yourself. 
And as you mortify the flesh, the book opens up to you because it's not about you. You're looking in it to fill your agenda, to find issues to your life, to help you get done what you want to get done. The Bible's not about you. It's about God and how he loves you. And so when you die, because he was slain, he can open the book. And when you die to yourself and mortify your flesh, that book will come alive to you too. And so we see it says here, And you have redeemed us to God by your blood out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation have made us kings and priests to our God. This is only a new covenant truth. Under the law of Moses, you couldn't have kings and priests on the same throne. And so we have here, we're kings and priests under the new covenant. And have made us kings and priests to our God, and we shall reign on the earth. Glory to God. Then I looked and I heard the voice of many angels around the throne, the living creatures and the elders and the numbers of them were 10,000 times, 10,000 of thousands of thousands. He's trying to say, there was a lot, you know. <laughs> Saying with a loud voice, a loud voice. You think it's only for football games? No. A loud voice. Let's read verse 12 together with a loud voice. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. That's what we will be doing. We will be bringing him honor and glory and blessing. The Lamb. Worthy is the Lamb. Worthy is the Lamb. Now listen, I know there's a, a Lamb for the person. Glory to God. I personally trusted in Messiah and he changed my life talking to someone who visited with us last evening about how my life was personally changed. Goes to college in the area here. Thank you for inviting whoever invited the person. Thank you so much for reaching out in love. I share, what a joy for me to come to know the Lord personally. I personally trusted. Share with my family. Because my heart became burdened. As I grew in the Lord, I realized I'm complete the Messiah, but my family, I've got to reach my family. I pray for my family. I've got to reach out to the family. As I grew in the Lord, my burden grew, reflecting God's burden. As he was concerned, not only for me, but for those around me, for my family. And as I continue to grow for my nation, my country, I started to grow in the love of God, realizing how much he loved the people around me in Israel. God wants me to pray for Israel, wants everyone to pray for Israel. I grew in the love of God, understanding the Lamb, becoming conformed to the image of the Son. And I continue to grow, not only a Lamb for the nation. I don't know what you're depending on. I don't know what you're doing with your life, what your hope is, what your security is. Maybe you're finally starting to get your house paid off. Maybe that's the value of securing your life. You've been struggling, sacrificing for that house Two jobs, whatever. But that's not what's going to secure your life. For what's it profit a man to gain the whole world and lose his soul? But I'm telling you today, there is a lamb for the person, a lamb for the family, a lamb for the people, a lamb for the world, and a lamb for eternity. There's one who'll never leave you, forsake you. And as you grow, you'll be living out those values you know, the values of where our true hope, security, love, grace all come from. We'll be living him out there. The values of heaven lived out now, as we say in my lingo, you know. We live out Olom Haba, the world to come, in the Olom Hazer, the world that is. Of course, they knew that one, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory 
the rulers of this age, they didn't understand the values of eternity being lived out. And that's what we're doing as we live him out, dedicating our children, living for him. The lamb for eternity, that's what it's all about. The very one revealed to Isaac, you know? That's where the security lies. I don't know where your security is. Guy who died and was there at the pearly gates, as the story goes. And the guy at the pearly gates, uh, handling the gates, I think it was Peter that day, a guy named Pete, was on duty. And the guy was coming in and said, the guy looked at, Pete looked at him and said, come on in. He said, well, what's this? Well, you died. You're going to enter into heaven. What? Oh, I can't, I'm not ready to come in yet. I got to go back home. I, gotta, I left something at home. I left something at home. No, 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 you can't go back. Uh, come on, you got you to gotta come back. No, you can't. You can't, can't do it. No, no, I, I got to... I got to go back home. I forgot something. I got to. Well, the guy was a New York lawyer, so eventually Pete said, okay, 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 okay. <laughs> so in the twinkling of eye, the guy goes home, comes back, carrying two suitcases. Peter says, what did you go back for? He says, oh, wait till you get a load of this. He opened it up. Bars of gold. Whole life I worked for this, you know. Pete looked at it looked at him and said, you went back for pavement? <laughs> See, some of us are living for pavement. But we're to be living out the very values of God. That's what we're living for. Created in his image to reveal him. His love, his graciousness, his goodness, his redemption, his care, his kindness, to live him out forever. That's the joy of our heart. It says every tribe, every nation. Wouldn't that be great? I can't wait to get there. Wouldn't that be great? I'm going to hear, you know, some of the German people, you know, I love going to Germany and telling them how much I forgive them, you know, <laughs> you know, and I, and I, I, you know, Israel just can't wait to see more people in there and Eastern Europe and all over, crazy places and all these things. And can't wait. They're all going to be there, you know, they'll be there. I, you know who I can't wait to see there? Isaac. Wouldn't that be cool? All of us crying out, worthy is the lamb. Isaac, that's the, that's the lamb. That's my lamb. Worthy is the lamb. That's my lamb. They'll all be there, you know. Will you be there? Will you be there? The Lord wants you there so much. He loves you so much. He wants you there. Not everything has value and worth. But worthy is the lamb. It's worthy of your trust, of your faith, now and forever. Let's keep growing in him. Let's pray. So bow our hearts before God. As some of you know, it's my custom to ask you to just look at your heart, where you're at, what's up with your own heart. Where are you at? Have you personally trusted in him? There is a lamb for the person. Have you personally trusted him? If not... I'm going to say a simple prayer of dedication. If that be your prayer, your need for personal faith, to place your personal trust, do that this morning. But it may be that you've already done that, you're burdened for your family, but you've been reticent to share the good news with your family. Oh, won't you even now grow into that area? Give that over. Pray for your family. Dedicate yourself to be an integrate, to bring the lamb to your family. And if you've already done that, oh, then continue growing for this nation if you're here, and also praying for Israel. Won't you please grow in that area, that love of God. Continue to press on in the land. 
conform to the image of the Son and grow in the values of God, the Lamb for eternity, to live out those values this day, every day, and forever, that he may be glorified. Just use this simple prayer as a point of dedication for your soul. Dear God, oh, forgive me for selfishness, for my own agenda being ahead of your will. Thank you for cleansing me through the blood of the Lamb. Fill me with your spirit that I might follow the Lamb and honor God with my life. Well, the heart's about, if you prayed that prayer with me, would you, for one of those areas, would you just raise your hand so I can pray for you, right where you are. If you prayed that prayer, yeah, sure, yes. Father, you see our hands, you see our hearts. Even now, give the increase. Add the blessing that we might leave here as your servants to share your love, your grace, your goodness. Thank you for knitting the hearts of these people together with our ministry, that together we might share the only good news for this poor, poor world, the Jew and Gentile alike, individuals and families and nations. For worthy is the Lamb of all praise and honor. For it's in his name we pray, in the name of Yeshua Jesus. Amen and amen. On that envelope.